Hey there. Welcome back to the I'm Still Here podcast with Tammy Lawrence, Symbolisti. Many of us have lost loved ones, and it brings a significant change in our lives. Our loved ones, however, would want us to continue to live on, being that we are still here. It's important for us to take care of our mental health as we move forward. So our intention is to continue to discuss grief, but widening our focus so that we might discuss other ways to help us live our lives. My hope is you continue this journey along with us as we shift to explore our new world with our loved ones hidden by our sides. Hi there. Today we're speaking with Senior Executive Genevieve Hawkins from Melbourne, Australia. She is the author of Mentally at Work, Optimizing Health and Business Performance Through Connection. Genevieve started her career as an occupational therapist with a passion for understanding and influencing the psychology of how people thrive under pressure. Her work focuses on mental health, offering scalable guidance for senior leaders, linking the trifecta of their mental health with the mental health of their team and an organization's performing. Hello, Genevieve. Hello, Tammy. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so grateful that you're taking some time to speak with us. So mental health, what a big, big topic of discussion this potentially could be. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about where you started. So you started as an occupational therapist with a passion for um, mental health, basically. And where, how, how did that happen for you? Yeah, it's interesting, actually, people have been asked that question of where that original interest came from. And I suspect part of it was actually trying to work out myself as well and looking at that piece of when, when I feel under pressure, how am I coping? What does it look like? And then so when I went into occupational therapy, which covers so many aspects of how we actually exist as human beings that I found drawn to the psychology side of things and the mental health side of things that that fascinated me more than anything else and just unlocked something I think in me that that I felt could help me as well as others. So actually when I first finished the degree whilst I was working in the hospital system, I had started doing some consulting on the side for people who are at the end of high school and and like going into schools to help talk to them about stress management and understanding some of those things because it just had this sparked interest for me. It's one of those things. I don't think anyone gets through an entire life without having some mental health challenges along the way. And I don't mean you need medication, but I mean, life happens, right? We go through a grieving journey or- absolutely. You lose something or whatever happens, be it health, well-being, financial, there, there's that mental health component in all things. And I don't think we're taught well how to deal with it. You're so right, Tammy. And, it, and actually, um, and I guess that's part of why I was writing the book, was wanting to start getting people into this space of let's normalise this conversation because, and certainly I think about the way that I was brought up. And even in the, the first parts of learning about some of these things, it was like this whispered thing. People didn't really want to talk about mental health. And really when people mentioned mental health, what they were thinking about was people who were really, really unwell and needed medication or treatment in hospital or whatever it might be to actually help them. But actually, um, you know, I guess there's two things. One, we should understand how we need to look after our mental health as much as our physical health because we've got a responsibility to ourselves to, to do that. And the second thing, to your point, we need to normalise the fact that we all struggle at times. So it's, it's okay that there are times that are much harder than other times for us. That's quite normal. 
the challenge is to understand how we recognize that within ourselves and what it is that we practically do to help ourselves get back to a better space when we're not feeling so great um, before it slides into that more serious challenge. So to your point, it's not that you know, at that extreme end, you go, yes, people really have got a mental illness where it's really affecting their daily living. They need medication, sometimes hospitalisation, lots and lots of support around them. And actually, here's the majority of us that will experience some level of mental ill health at some point in our lives. And we just need to recognise and learn what to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was just speaking, I just had got off the phone with someone, a big conversation about this exact thing. And I said, you know, sometimes when you're in that area of you say, call it feeling gray, which I think is a really wonderful uh, way to describe where someone could potentially be at. It's kind of like if you keep going over it and going over it, it's like when you cut your hand and you get a little scab over it and you keep picking at that scab, it's never going to heal if you keep picking at it. So finding ways move forward in life without still revisiting these same topics over and over and over again so we don't allow for healing absolutely and that's that you know i think it's one of the things that i say to people to keep an eye out for for themselves is going when you find yourself stuck in a loop so that that there's things that you keep ruminating on and 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 really it's they're not it's not serving you anymore it's a good sign that you need to do something that helps you flip out of that and see things in a different light and, and try and move on. And you said there's a lots of different things that people need to do to help them. It's not as easy as think differently. But, yeah, there's a few. And, again, it's going, that's just kind of what I'm trying to say in the book. There's some practical things you can do, but recognise when you get stuck in it. So it's kind of like the thoughts in your head or your emotions are out of kilter. So how you're feeling versus the situation. And, you know, it's the, you know, that kind of, I don't know whether you say this here, but we obviously, you know, it's no use crying over spilt milk. That, that sense that something happens and there's just this overreaction of the sky is falling, this is really dreadful, when actually it isn't, that's a really good sign that you need to do something to pull yourself back. Mm. So what would one practical tip be that somebody could use in the event that they're going to that area of greyness? So I think, well, I mean, I talk in the, um, the book about this concept of the mental health pie and saying there's a range of different things that you can do to actually bring yourself back. But I'd go, so the first thing is to recognise it. So it's that first piece of the puzzle is you have to identify that you've got a challenge. And then the range of different things can vary. So sometimes it can be literally as simple as stopping and being able to take a few deep breaths. So when you're just caught in that really, really early stage, not feeling great and going, how do I bring myself right back to that present moment? How do I really get myself taking a few deep breaths, really focused and going, okay, I can get this. Or to use that then moment to start, I could talk about journaling. So writing down things and going, let's write down what's going on. So do a bit of a blah moment of kind of going, let's write down what I'm experiencing at the moment. And then there's this question to ask yourself about what, what am I telling myself about this current situation? So how am I interpreting what's going on? And then what is it that I could do differently? Or how do I tell myself a different story? So instead of feeling like there's too many things going on and, and I'm a bit, you know, feeling afraid about stuff going, how do I flip this to going, how do I make myself curious? How do I go, oh, there's some things going on here, what can I do differently? Um, but also never underestimate the value of a laugh. So a good laugh, a good hug is really, really good. And also physiologically about just going out and doing some exercise. And, and that doesn't mean going up and doing something crazy, but I think like the other night I came back from work 
And I could feel this sense of tension in me about things that had unfolded during that day. But it was raining and cold and, and then dark and I wasn't going to go outside. But I was literally doing some running on the spots and, and a few kind of sit-ups and push-ups just to get my heart rate up a bit. And it's like I'm shaking it off. Mm, that, that is a great, great way to do it and good advice. So this brings up a really great thing that you were just mentioning, work-life balance. How do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, I actually say to people, don't think about the context of work-life balance. Mm. Think about living a whole life because that helps you to think. Because when you think about the concept of work-life balance, it's like I have to trade these two things off. I have to do work when, look, we also think we have to do work because we have to pay the bills versus I want my life and how do I find that balance between them. That, that if you can create, and I guess this is part of the idea, you know, so idea within the book of going how do you unlock performance is helping people find meaning and purpose in what it is that they do at work. Now, for some people in some jobs you go, that's really, you know, easy if you go, I'm working in a not-for-profit in um, helping homeless people and this is something that's really important and so every day I'm getting up and helping people versus saying, I'm in a factory and I'm on a factory line and how on earth am I going to get purpose in this? This is just my job. So that's some airy, fairy fluff out there. But I come back to saying you can still have that sense of um, meaning and energy about I come into work and sure it might be on a production line and that the work itself is not that meaningful. What is meaningful is the laughs I have with the people that I work with, the sense of connection that I feel with that group of people and the stories that we share with each other. Um, so the environment and the culture that you create within that sort of workplace is critical so that when you're at work, you're absolutely loving it. But the, you know, the ideal then says that you're doing things that you have such meaning for that it gives you energy rather than drains your energy. And that's actually the secret to feeling that sense of I can live my whole life is that if work doesn't drain me, then I might. And it's a good example of the work that I do. I mean, I don't do a 40 hour week, but I love the work that I do. And so when I sit there and go, gosh, I've got a bit of extra to do tonight, it's not, oh, I've got a bit of extra to do tonight and how do I do it? It's like here's something interesting that I'm trying to work my way through and that's a really good thing to do and gives me energy. Yeah. It so did. The, the whole range of things outside of work to do as well, but, but that's kind of at the core of it is, is work giving you rather than taking your energy. Mm -hmm. And it's a good perspective to come into just that shift of mindset of I, I'm getting to do this, but I have curiosity about it. So I'm learning as I go and building connectivity. And I think connection, that's part of the, the title of your book. Yeah, connection, connection, connection. <laughs> so it, it's we cannot underestimate this um, concept that we are tribal by nature. So we are hardwired to feel safety in numbers, that that's, that's kind of since Neolithic time, that's, that's where we are, that it, we recognise that, our brain recognises that. Um, and so when we feel like we've got community, when we feel like we've got a bit of connection with others, we bring out more of the best in ourselves because of that. And so, and I guess that one of those key messages within the book for business leaders, and, and I mean, I wrote it for business leaders, you don't have to be a business leader to read it, because actually, there's other people said, actually, this is really quite practical to anyone. If you're in an organisation, and you want to get the best from others, and you want to enjoy things, and you want to try and find that sense of connection with people and create the environment that people enjoy 
being part of and want to contribute to. Yeah, absolutely. And it is really all about relationships. I remember saying that to people um, in past and they're looking at me like crazy, but it is, I mean, we're humans and having a human experience. So we need to have that relationship with other people in order to get by. We do. And, you know, one of the things that, um, one of the reasons I wanted, one of the reasons I wrote the book actually is to try and, and find this intersection for people in senior roles where they hear something like that, Tammy, and talk about relationships and there'd be some senior people that roll their eyes and go, oh, yes, yeah, there we go. It's that people think, isn't it? But really, I just want to run my business and I just want to do this. And what I then, you know, try and explain within the book with some of this is we just need to understand here's some science behind how it works as compared to a um, feeling, you know, so some of us will instinctively go, of course, it's all about relationships. So we have a thinking brain and an animal brain. Like that's kind of the simplest way to talk about it as compared to the names of parts of the brain. And you think the thinking brain is the part that we are aware of because that's where, you know, we kind of go, we, we, we are our thoughts and think about these things here. But we have this animal brain and the animal brain is designed to make sure that we stay alive. That's its fundamental purpose. And so the animal brain does things like it helps us to digest and it helps us to sweat or to breathe or, you know, so think of all of the bodily functions. We don't consciously tell the body you must breathe, you must digest, you must sweat, whatever it might be. Our body is wise beyond us. It is such a wise thing that recognises these are the things that we need to do to keep us alive. So there's physical things that are there, but there's psychological as well. So if you go back to Neolithic time and you think about this idea of um, if you're out in the wild and you're on your own, in that type of wild environment with all of the wild animals around, et cetera, that's a pretty scary space to be. And so our brain at that underneath level is hardwired to recognise the pattern that says, if I'm with others, I am safer. And so there's this real thing of one, it says, if I'm safer, the body, like we literally, the body will um, release, uh, release oxytocin because it's going, oh, this is much better. It's safer because we're with other people. The other thing it recognises is if I have a role in that tribe, so not just I'm in the tribe so I'm safer, but if I have a role in that tribe, so I'm the person that's really good at lighting fires or tracking the wild animals or finding the berries, whatever it might be, then the brain, actually that animal brain, recognises that as well as this is good because we do something and we do something and others recognise and make us feel more connected and we get a good hit of serotonin. So there's these animal functions that happen. And then there's good old cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And that's linked to this idea that our animal brain looks for pattern because it's constantly scanning the environment without us realising to see what's going on, to see if there are problems with things out there. And when it sees something that is different, that is, that is unusual, that says, oh, hang on, there's a problem. The, the reason why it gives a cortisol is it gets us into that fight flight response because that's what it needs to do to survive. And in a, in an old, you know, the old Neolithic time, it was all about these physical dangers. The challenge in our modern world is our animal brain can't tell the difference between a physical threat and a psychological threat. So it could be something clearly physical to say, yes, this is a dangerous animal. It might be a car coming towards us on a street or whatever, perhaps in these days. But it actually is also recognising when it doesn't feel connected. So it sees this psychological threat of saying, if I feel isolated, if I feel like I don't belong, if I don't feel like I have my tribe, then actually the cortisol starts coming in. 
and it's telling the body do something, do something because it's not great, which links back to your point about relationships because actually if if I'm feeling like that, like if I'm working with you but I don't feel that I have a relationship with you, that I'm feeling like you don't understand me and you're not valuing what I do and, and I don't, I'm just not feeling comfortable, I will have cortisol coming out and that will not bring out the best in me. And it becomes this vicious cycle from there. So we can sit there and instinctively say it's all about relationships. We can also go scientifically, it's all about relationships. So it is all about connection. Absolutely. And you bring up a really great point that goes into my next question, which is how do people prioritize self-care and personal well-being when they're, you know, having a demanding life experience? So I'm going to stop and pause and reflect on that because it's funny, actually, every now and again, I saw, you know, of course, I wrote the book. When I wrote the book, people were going, oh, these are really great ideas. And then since writing the book, there's been a couple of times where I've had this sort of experience where things have been a little bit tough. And, um, and a couple of times my sister has looked at me and she said, oh, Genevieve, there's a book you should read. It's called Mentally at Work. <laughs> and it reminds, reminds me about the things that one needs to do from a self-care perspective. So I think that the first thing um, to step back and recognise is that when you're feeling good is the most important time to then be clear on what are the habits that I should just keep on a regular basis that work for me. And I think this is kind of the first key thing from a self-care point of view. What works for me won't necessarily work for you, Tammy. It's the principle though of going, what is it that I do that really helps to just re-energise me and help or help me feel balanced? So, you know, so I would go to my favourite things to do. One is actually getting up and going for a walk first thing in the morning before I start work. And I go rain, hail or shine because I'll put my jacket and my hood on and everything if it's wet. Um, going out and choosing for me, I choose to either listen to music or a podcast. Um, so I just want something that's just part of really, okay, I'm getting myself going physically, but also thinking about things. And the other thing for me that's really valuable, um, love a bath. So like a, I'd like just a soak in a bath every now and again is a, an awesome way of relaxing. Um, or it might be, you know, for me, just sort of having 10 minutes of listening to some quiet music and breathing slowly and, and what have you. So I go, habits that you build before things get difficult is really, really important because if you've got that anchor of that habit, when things get difficult, one of the most important things you need to do is don't lose that habit. I, I can't remember who said this about yoga, um, but it was like when you least want to do the yoga is actually the point at which you must do your yoga <laughs> because it's just that signal of going, you're not, you're finding you're overwhelmed, there's too much going on and going down to the mat fine feels like the hardest thing that you could do, but you've got to do it. Um, and so, you know, I often say to people in the corporate world when they go, I haven't got time to do this, this and this and because my diary is too full and I'd go, if the CEO turned around to you and said this week, I'd like to have half an hour with you, would you find that time? And, of course, everyone goes, yeah, like the CEO is going to talk to me. Of course, I'm going to find the time right. So you're the CEO of your life. <laughs> you, you need to actually understand that. Um, and I, I, I'm just conscious I can probably go around in all sorts of different circles. I think the main thing is going, you need to own it. You need to own being the CEO of your own life. You need to go, this is what's really important. And recognise those moments where, so keep my same habits, 
how do I prioritise that to go, it doesn't matter how much is going on, I know that that's a critical thing for me and to articulate that. So I recognise, for example, um, and everyone's different, but I know if I'm on the computer after 8.30 at night, I do not sleep well. And I have seen it happen enough to go, that's a pattern that's just not useful. So I could sit there and go, I've got this really big thing to do and I just have to prioritise it and do it, but that doesn't actually help me. So being able to articulate to my manager to go, listen, I recognise I won't sleep if I work on this tonight. So I need to be able to cut off at this time. I need the time that is mine. I will sleep well and I can then get up in the morning and then I'll get going with this. So feeling comfortable enough to go, that's my boundary and you'll get more from me if I do that than if you think I'm going to try and push it. Mm. I don't know, whether, has that half answered the question, Tamara? This is such a big, big <laughs> question in terms of where we could go. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I love your co your topic, your uh, comment about yoga because I am a yoga teacher. That is my main job. So, yeah, people come to the mat. And um, we say this with meditation too. Um, and, I can, again, I can't remember who said it, but something along the lines of meditate every day for 15 minutes and if you're busy or stressed, meditate for an hour. <laughs> and yes. But how do I fit that in? <laughs> well, and, and it's such a, um, and I know it's this thing for me, but I also ask this of others as well, because I find that, like, I, I think, um, and I've been even guilty of it, like, you know, so, you know, declaration in the last week or so for me, it's been some really tough time at work. There's been a range of different things going on that has made it hard. And I have had to really, really challenge myself to go, you are going to sit down and you are going to put your cross-legged sitting on that pillow and you're going to put that music on and you're going to do this deep breathing and you will do it. Rain, hail or shine, you must do that. And I've found you can find yourself sometimes that you can sit there and you're going, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. And my and the thoughts are running in or I'm just, you know, and it's just like I'll grit through it. And so I'd go, you know, some of those days my that meditation is not as good as others. Um, but it is just, it's just such an interesting thing that you, it, once you, and I think it's once you get into discipline, this was always sort of comes back to find those habits when it's in a good space because people who are really stressed who then sit there and you go, oh, bloody meditation thing, like, uh, you know, I did it, I did it like once, <laughs> I did it and nothing helped, didn't work. And you're like, mm, let me talk you through this. Because I found, you know, when I was first starting it, I went, I can understand the physiology behind why this is a really useful thing to sit quiet, you know, sit in stillness, do deep breathing, get really focused. Um, but it wasn't like the first few times I did it, I found an instant change. It's that belief underneath that there's this, well, for me, it's the belief underneath the science backs that this is a really, really important thing to do, that you keep doing it. So what I find now is that when I am in a space, and, and this is that key point going right back to the start, just because I talk about mental health doesn't mean that my mental health is healthy all the time because I'm human and I'll go into spaces of challenge, but um, I find now because of having done that for a regular basis, the, I can get some pretty quick relief now through just stopping and, few, and giving a few deep breaths because I just, my body gets triggered. Ah, yes, we remember this. Take that deep breath, slow down. This is really good because it's learnt that pattern from the past. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like muscle memory, but for the mind. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
One thing that I love that you talked about was uh, creating a healthy boundary. And I think this is what is really needed, not only in relationships, if we want to go full circle here, (laughs) with relationships, but also with our own time and with ourselves, finding those boundaries, as you mentioned, discover the things that you love to do and make time to do them every day, come hell or high water. It it is such a... um... You know, there's an experience that I had, and this is quite a number of years ago, where um, I had, you know, I had young kids, I was running my own business, um, there was lots of things going on at, at work, some challenges, etc. And um, I ended up going and talking to my GP because I was just really, really exhausted and going, oh, this is just really tough. And, and he talked to me about this idea of, um, he said, a day, a week, a month. And he goes, every day, half an hour, do something that is just for you, just for you. And he was looking at me and goes, by the way, that doesn't include reading the kids' stories. He said, I know that you enjoy doing that, but that's not just for you. So he said, half an hour every day. In fact, actually, I think originally he said, even if it's only 15 minutes, like he said, you know, but there is something that you choose to do that is just for you. He said, every week you do something for an hour that is just for you and every month have a day that is just for you so he went simple thing and he said and I know you Genevieve so you need to diarize that (laughs) you need to put it in your calendar to make it work and the funny thing is that when I came home I ended up getting stressed about the stress management (laughs) because what I had realized at that point is I had lost I had lost my boundaries and I'd lost my sense at that point of who I was and what what was really important to me other than my identity is I was a wife, I was a mother, I was a businesswoman, um, I was a student because I was studying at the time as well and I was juggling with all those things and, and I was kind of going, what do, I, what do I do? What do I choose to do because I'm not too sure what it is that's needed? And it took a bit of time until I'd go back to identify those things that are really, really important to me for my own self-care. Um, and, and, like, for me, actually, the interesting thing that I ended up coming to for daily was about music and recognising the power of music and not listening to the radio. It's I'm on Spotify with my favourite, you know, what's my favourite playlist and choosing different playlists for different moods that's just so important. Um, so that, I mean, and I come back to that, piece around we need to understand the things we need to do to look after our mental health as much of our physical health if we you know smoke cigarettes and eat donuts every day we know that at some point that will come back to bite us it might not be tomorrow but at some point in our life if that's the thing that we do consistently every day that will be a problem we need to understand the same thing from a mental health perspective if we ignore our mental health if we don't create those boundaries for self-care if we don't choose the things that really help to energize us at some point it will come back to bite us and can come back to bite us badly. So it's a self-responsibility that's so important. Absolutely. Very well said. If you had one more thing you wanted to share with listeners, what would it be? Uh, well, apart from saying, buy my book and read a little bit more because I haven't told you everything that there is. In so go and see Mentally at Work online. No, I think, um, I, I think it's that whole point. It sounds cliched to say it, but, it's that whole life's too short. Like it, it disappears in the blink of an eye. My mother's just turned 90 and she's healthy, but she's sitting there going, oh, I can't believe I'm at 90 now. I, I don't know where life's gone. And 
it's so important to come back to going make every day count like just find joy every day find awe every day um, and contribute in some way every day and connect with others every day like that's that's kind of if you can contribute to others, you can connect with others, stay curious about the things that come up in life, um, you'll be better for it. That's great advice. If we wanted to direct people to find you, where should we send them? To find me, well, I was going to say, I can say find the book is on things like Amazon, et cetera. Finding me, um, the easiest way is actually via LinkedIn. So I do tend to do a series of posts and, and things there. So from a professional point of view, that's the way to, uh, the best way to find me. Very good. And we will put the link for your book in the show notes so people can just click and find you quickly. Thank you so Thanks, much Demi. for taking some time to speak with us all the way from Australia. That's so cool, being that we're in Toronto-ish area. So yeah, <laughs> I love it's been it. lovely to chat, Tammy, and hopefully your your audience finds something or gets some wisdom from it and, and can be inspired to do something to look after their mental health. I think that's kind of if if nothing else, that's kind of want to get that message out about, um, you know, making our own choices to look after ourselves. So thank you for having me on and having the good conversation. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you for listening. We're grateful to our guests for sharing their experience and their knowledge with us. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others who might find it helpful. Be sure to follow our links on social media, which were offered in the show notes. A special shout out to Kevin McLeod and Incomputech for our background music entitled Happy Dreams. Wishing you a fabulous day.